Growing in God's Word and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. Think about what would it look like if you and your spouse did everything without grumbling or disputing? Now, right now, at least one of you, probably most of you are thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, right. Have you ever grumbled or complained about something? Sure, all of us have at one time or another. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, does my attitude matter? We need to operate with an attitude of gratitude. I'm Rick Freeman. Welcome to Crosswalk. As we continue our series entitled Heartbeat, we're working our way through the book of Philippians. We began to look at chapter 2, verses 12 through 30 a couple of weeks ago. Pastor Clay focused on verses 12 and 13 then, and the fact that our faith is supposed to be a faith of action. Action, that it, that it, that it leads to obedience, that it leads to working out, utilizing, using my salvation. Today we're going to look at another aspect of our faith, and that is attitude. As you'll hear Pastor Clay say in today's message, an attitude of gratitude is vital if we're going to do all things without grumbling and disputing. That may sound impossible, and in our strength it is. But with God's power working through us, anything's possible. Now here's Pastor Clay with this week's Crosswalk. weeks ago, I was gone last week, but two weeks ago, we started looking at the second half of the second chapter of the book of Philippians. And uh, I said then, in that, as we started to look at the second half of the second chapter of Philippians, verses 12 through 30, I said then that we were going we to uh, break uh, that chapter down uh, basically into four different aspects of our life and, and, and how it will play out in, in those verses in chapter 2. Those four aspects uh, that I mentioned then are action, attitude, attraction, and affection. Uh, four areas, four aspects that Paul's going to address here in this latter half of chapter 2 that, um, that are important for our lives as fully devoted followers of Jesus. Um, and so, in this idea of action, attitude, attraction, and affection that we looked at, um, we also, prior to that, looked at uh, some other areas, and one in particular um, that are important for our lives, and one of them being uh, what Paul refers to as humility of mind. Uh, he, he talks about this idea of, of humility of mind uh, when he says... Um, in uh, verse uh, 3, yeah, 2, 3b, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than yourself. Let those words sink in for just a moment, will you? But with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. It really is hard to put into words the, the magnitude of the importance of that statement. Philippians 2, 3b. Uh, if you were here when I, when I talked about this, you may remember that I uh, mentioned that the, I, that the word humility that Paul uses uh, in the original Greek language, that it has as its root, it means rug or carpet. And so the image that Paul is painting for us 
in, uh, in especially that early part of chapter 2, the image that Paul is painting for us is that of a person who lays down his or her life in service for others. A person who lays down his or her life for the good of others. In other words, but with humility of mind, let each of you think more highly or to think more greatly or to regard one another as more important than himself. It is hard to, to overstate the case of how important that statement is for our lives as followers of Jesus. Part of the reason that it is so important to think of this statement, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Why it's so important to think of, of, of rug or carpet or laying down my life. One of the reasons that's so important is because Satan the spiritual enemy that is real in the world, the world itself and my own flesh is constantly telling me that it really, it's all about me. That in the end, this really comes down to me. That I deserve this or I shouldn't be treated that way or I ought to have that or I didn't, didn't deserve to have to go through that or this is, in other words, I, I, I or me, me, me. That's what is constantly being bombarded in this world in which we live, and it's what my flesh naturally gravitates towards. And, and listen, here's why this is so important. That, that, that mindset that, you know, oh, you know, me, I've got, it's, that mindset is, is toxic. I think I even said this a couple of weeks ago. It, it's, it's like hydrochloric acid to any relationship that you have. First and foremost, your relationship with God. Because you and I must come to God in humility, in a humbling of ourselves, and a recognition that God is not subservient to us, that God is not equal to us, that God is Lord over us. And that we have to approach our lives with that, with that mindset, that idea. And so, Paul says that as a result of that, we should... Obey. You may may remember I talked about that. He said, as a result of the fact that Jesus Christ is who he says he is and he did what he did, because of that we should do what he says. In other words, we should obey. Not my word, Paul's word. Again, he's writing on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he says that that idea of obeying plays itself out in that, as Paul puts it there, uh, and we looked at it in verses uh, 12 and 13, when we, took, when we looked at that first concept, that word action that we looked at a couple weeks ago, Paul said that that plays itself out when he says you work out your salvation. As, as I said, that doesn't mean that you work for your salvation, but that you take full advantage of your salvation, that, that you cultivate your salvation in such a way that you that it bears the fruit of salvation in your life. It begins to bear out. This fact that you are saved by grace, you're in relationship with God, it bears itself out in your life. As I said then, I think it's not just a spiritual concept, it's a practical reality for our lives. And so in my relationship with God, it must be with humility of mind that I come before God if I'm going to approach Him in the right way. And if I don't, if, if, I, if I'm making it about me, and let me just be Speak plainly, ladies and gentlemen, you can't be in right relationship with God and make the priority of your life yourself. You just, you just can't, you can't do it. God won't allow it. And by the way, can I just say this? It's not like, it's not like God tried to sneak that one in on us when he's trying to get us to, to believe in him and follow after. It's not like, not like Jesus tried to, you know, he hid that one from us. 
He said it in a lot of different ways, but our theme verse here at Cross Culture Church is Luke chapter 9, verse 23, which says this. Luke 9, 23, Tyler. And he was saying to them all, if any, uh, anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. In other words, it is not until I die to myself that I can actually begin to follow Christ. And if I won't do that, if it does become about me, then, then my relationship with God is not what it should be. Me, pride, self, it's toxic. To that It's toxic to a marital relationship. When, when either one, when the husband or, and or the wife forget that their primary purpose in that marriage, their, are you all ready for this? That their primary purpose as a husband, as a wife, is to make their spouse's life the very best life it can be. That their primary purpose as a husband or as a wife is to make your spouse, your priority. When, when we forget that, that's when our relationships are headed for trouble. It's toxic to it when it becomes centered on me. And on and on we could go looking at all the different relationships. and Toxic to family relationships. It's toxic to business or work relationships. So this idea, but with humility of mind, let each of you think and regard one another as more important than yourself. That was an, that's an important concept. But as I said two weeks ago, we dove into this idea of action and obey and what it means. Today, I want to look at another one of the aspects of this relationship. So we're going to read it again, again, Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 12, and read through verse 30 again this morning. And then we'll get into it. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, and we talked about what that means two weeks ago. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Verse 14. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God, above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world holding fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I will have reason to glory, because I did not run in vain, nor toil in vain. But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. And you too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition meaning the condition of the church in Philippi. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. For they all seek after their own interests, but not those of Christ. But you know of his proven worth, that he served me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Therefore, I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go with me. And I trust in the Lord that I myself also will be coming shortly. But I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my needs. And I explained that. They, the church of Philippi had sent Epaphroditus to, to Paul to take a love offering to him and to minister to him. Now Paul's sending him back to Philippi. And here's why. Verse 26. Because he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick to the point of death. But God had mercy on him, 
and not on him only, but also on me, so that I would not have to have sorrow upon sorrows. Therefore, I have sent him all the more eagerly, so that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less concerned about you. Receive him then in the Lord with all joy, and hold men like him in high regard, because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. Started in verse 12 and 13 with the idea of action, that it, that it, that it leads to obedience, that it leads to working out, utilizing, using my salvation, and being all that God has called me to be. The second uh, word of those aspects is attitude, and I want to put it like this this morning. We need to operate with an attitude of gratitude. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear a happy amen? <laughs> All right, that was good. We need to operate with an attitude of gratitude. Let me read verse 14 to you again. Now listen, folks, this is really, really important. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. <laughs> Do all the stuff you like without grumbling or disputing. Do all the stuff you enjoy without grumbling or disputing. Do all the stuff you agree with without grumbling or disputing. No, that's not what he says, is it? There wouldn't even be a reason to put that, would there? Because nobody grumbles about stuff they like to do. Nobody disputes over stuff that they agree with. And so Paul puts, do all things without grumbling or disputing. And certainly it should be all things. But everybody knows why Paul writes what he's writing. It's because we grumble and we dispute about the things that we don't want to do or we don't like to do or we don't agree with. Those are the things that we grumble and dispute about. And so Paul says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Grumbling um, is, uh, is, is going to get kind of technical uh, here, but uh, the word that's translated grumbling or some translations have murmurings um, the original Greek word is uh, gangusman. Uh, and I, I give that word because that, that word in the Greek language is what's known as an onomatopoetic word. I wouldn't bother writing that down if I were you. But what it means is that the word itself actually sounds like what the word means. You understand what I'm saying? That the, that the sound of the word actually sounds like what it means. I mean, you can just imagine if you just heard gongusman, gongusman, gongusman. It would kind of sound like, you know. I, I think you can even hear it in the English translation. Matter of fact, let's try it. I want you all, uh, on the count of three, I want you to just start, say, start saying grumbling. And just say it over and over and over again. All right, ready? One, two, three. Grumbling, 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 grumbling. Come on, you can grumble better than that. Grumbling, 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 grumbling. Do you hear it? Ladies, does that not sound like your husbands when you ask them to do something they don't want to do? Right? Grumbling. I don't want to. Disputing. Uh, it, it basically means uh, just ill-natured or ill, just uh, aggravated. I just, yeah, he's just ill. That fellow's ill. <laughs> oh, you mean he's sick? No, I mean he's ill. <laughs> just the idea that it's just contentious and I, I just, I don't want to do this kind of thing. It's, it's that idea. Yet he says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Um, some of you know that uh, Cindy and I have been trying to sell our townhome 
uh, for a while now. Uh, we uh, just wanted to move to a place, had a little yard for grandkids and say, have a place to play and all that kind of stuff. And we recently got a contract uh, on our town home. And uh, so, yeah, thank you. We're excited about that. And uh, hopefully this one will go through and be just fine. So. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, the inspection report for our house, for the prospective buyers, it came back with a few things that had to be fixed. Have you ever bought or sold a home? You know how all that works. And, um, and so there's a few things that had to be fixed. Uh, and one of those things included a uh, screen door on our sliding glass doors that goes out on our deck. So here we go yesterday to go purchase a screen door, which we accomplished, which for me is quite a milestone. Because anybody that knows me knows that I am proof positive that the handyman gene skips a generation. Because I really am bad at fixing anything. But we get the screen door. That was great. Where the fun really started was when we got home and tried to put it on. And, I, you know, I don't know anything better to do than to read the instructions. And Cindy doesn't know anything better to do than ignore me. Or, no, really, she's just trying to do it without the instructions. Because she, she got the handyman, handy person gene from her dad. Listen, let, let, me, let, me, just, let me just say that we did not do very well yesterday with the do all things without grumbling or disputing. Okay? We, we didn't do all things well. Uh, some of you may know that we just got back Friday uh, night from a few days in Las Vegas. I know. I know. So everybody's been shocked when they, when they heard, really? A pastor went to Vegas? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. We did go to Vegas. And uh, we, we had never... I had never been before, and, um, you know, we just, Cindy found a great package deal to go, and uh, there was a golf course out there that I'd always wanted to play, and it was going to be my birthday, and and um, always wanted to see the Hoover Dam, and so uh, so so we, we went out there. Now, quite honestly, we'll probably never go back. I mean, if you don't, if you don't gamble, or you don't party as they define it, um, and you don't have boatloads of money to pay for all the shows, then there's not a whole lot to do. I mean, you can only see the Hoover Dam so many times. Was, you know. But anyway, we went. Uh, we're on the elevator one morning, uh, the last morning. We were heading down uh, from our room to get in, in the car to go to the airport. And so I've got my golf clubs with me, and I've got them in this big honking protective case because this is my golf clubs. <laughs> so, you know, it's big hard. I mean, this thing is big. And, and I roll it onto the elevator, and uh, this guy says, uh, what you got in there? Some sort of musical instrument? And um, I thought, yeah, right, I've got a piano in here. That's about what would, would fit in there. So, no, I, I, didn't, really, I didn't really say that. Um, smart alecky clay only comes out usually in my mind. But um, anyway, I wish you could have seen this guy. I mean... He, 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 he just reeked of alcohol. He was clearly still, uh, to some degree, probably a pretty great degree, still under the influence. And his, I wish you, I mean, his face, he, 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 he was so beat up. He, he looked like his face had been used for one of them drums for the Blue Man Group, if y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about there. I mean, he was black and blue and bloody and swollen. And I don't know who this guy got in a fight with, but I can tell you this guy did not win the fight. There is no way this guy won the fight. But you, you, know, you know what I was thinking is that, you know what? Were it not for the grace of God, that could be my life. That's exactly where I could be in my life. 
If God had not intervened with me, I don't know where I'd be. I don't know what I would be doing. I don't know what my life would be like and the mess that it would be in. You, you could walk through the casinos and, um, no, I didn't play any games. I know you're all wondering that. But we walked through the casinos and, uh, you know, there's people, you know, pulling the, the slot machines and people at the roulette wheel and the poker tables and all that kind of stuff. You could walk through the casino in the, the next morning and still see the same people sitting at that same one-armed bandit. They look like, like zombies, pulling it again. And again, all night they've been there. All, all, yeah, every one of them, just, just one more pull in hopes that somehow my life will be changed. My life will be better. My life will be different. Maybe this will be the time that it will be happen, that it, that it will happen. You know what? I, it may not be gambling for, for everybody or it may not that many or whatever. But the, but the point is, if Christ had not intervened in my life, if Christ had not intervened in your life, if you know him, it would be something for you. It would be something in your life that would, that would climb a corporate ladder or a new relationship or another job or another toy or, or whatever it is. The grace of God touched my life. He, he changed me. And I am grateful for that. And if I can hold on to that, that attitude of gratitude, if I can hold on to that, and if I can pull it out from time to time, and if I can look at it, and if I can marvel at the grace of God and how He's worked in my life, that will go a long ways, ladies and gentlemen, that will go a long ways towards living consistently, and that's what we're talking about here, with an attitude without grumbling or disputing. Hey, I can't do it in myself. I don't have the strength in myself. But the power of God working in me makes it possible for me to do all things without grumbling or disputing. Many times we've said nobody gets it right all the time. We still live in our flesh. There's still that pull. But to consistently live in the process of doing all things without grumbling or disputing. It's that attitude of gratitude. One of the things that, um, one of the byproducts, if you will, of the Peru team for the Peru team when they get back on Tuesday is that they will have an unbelievable appreciation for what they have in this country when they get back. Uh, they, they, they really will. After having been where they've been and experienced what they've experienced, seen what they've seen, they will come back. It will be hard for most of them, it will be hard for them to complain about anything, at least for some period of time, before we start sliding back into our, our Americanized lives. I've told some of you this before, but I cried the first time I walked in the cereal aisle of our grocery store after I got back from my first overseas mission trip. Not in, you know, boo-hoo, cry me a river kind of cried, but my, te- my eyes filled up with tears as I looked and thought about the fact that just on this one aisle, I have more stuff than 90, probably 98% of the rest of the world will ever have in their lives. This, this attitude of gratitude. And how important it is to actually be able to think about doing all things without grumbling or speaking. Now, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this for your, for your life. Think about this for your relationship with God. To keep this attitude of gratitude in the power of God working in you. I want you to think how that will affect your relationship with God. When God calls you to, to, to experience something in your life or go through a particular trial in your life. Or, or God doesn't bail you out of something that you want him to bail you out of because he has reasons that we can't see. Or when God asks you to do ministry in a certain way that, that's uncomfortable or, or that you don't want to do or that you don't like or whatever. Not only will you be able to do it, if you can keep this idea of gratitude for what God has done for me, what Christ has done for me. If you can keep that at the forefront of your mind, not only will you be able to do what God 
wants you to do without grumbling or disputing, but you will actually be able to thank God for the opportunity to serve Him in that way. Now, that's not, that's not logical. That's not normal. That's not natural. And that's exactly right, because God has called us to do something supernatural, to operate in His power so that I can actually go through things and not grumble, not dispute, but actually thank God for what I'm going through in my life. Think about how it will affect your relationship with your spouse if you're, if you're here and you're married. Or if you're going to be married someday. Think about how that will affect your relationship with your spouse. Think about what would it look like if you and your spouse did everything without grumbling or disputing. Now right now, at least one of you, probably most of you are thinking, oh, yeah, yeah right. You, you stayed too long in Vegas, baby, because that has fried your brain. That son has fried your brain out there. Listen, do you know why we think that way? Do you, do you know why? Now, I already gave you an example of when Cindy and I yesterday didn't get it right, didn't, didn't do it too well. Uh, but, but do you know why we think that way? Do you know why we automatically think that is impossible to do everything without grumbling or, or disputing? Do you know why we think that way? We think that way, or at least, here's at least one reason. We think that way because we are so used to operating in the, in the flesh, in me. I'm so used to operating that way that some of you have never experienced what it actually feels like to have the power of God working through you in such a way that you're able to do things that in yourself, in clay, I could never do. Some of you have never actually understood or released your lives in such a way that the power of God flowed through you and you were able to experience the power of God working in your life so that suddenly you're able to say, why, yes, dear, I would love to take that trash out for you. Or, or whatever it is. You understand what I'm saying? Because we're just used to operating in the flesh. That's just where we live all the time. So we don't even even think about it. Another reason we think that that idea is impossible. Oh, yeah, my wife and I, yeah, never do anything without arguing or disputing. Another reason we we think that way is because if I don't don't, uh, grumble and murmur, if I don't uh, dispute and complain, he's never going to change. She's never going to learn. My spouse is never going to get it right. <laughs> Why didn't God think of that? And I wish God, I'm sure if he'd have thought of that, he would have put in there, do all things except marriage stuff without grumbling or murmur or complaining. I'm sure he would have put that in there if he'd have thought. No. I, I'm pretty sure God's thought of all of it. I'm pretty sure he knows every scenario. And I'm pretty sure that when he says do all things without grumbling, or disputing, that he actually means that that's possible with his power operating in us. By the way, one more reason that we think that way, that we think do all things without grumbling or disputing is impossible. One other reason we think that way is because, hey, let's be honest, I deserve to grumble, right? Some of y'all are thinking that. If you had to live with him, you'd grumble too, right? Oh, if you knew what she does, oh, she's all Miss Jesus up in the house. But you wait till we get back to my house. You don't want to even recognize this woman. Guess where we are, ladies and gentlemen. When we begin to think that way, we're right back at what we started with this morning. We're right back at Philippians chapter 2, verse 3b. But with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Now, let me say this, and we're going to wrap it up here. Doing all things without grumbling or disputing doesn't mean that you can't ever speak up 
about an injustice. It doesn't mean you can't, can't say to your spouse or, you know, or whoever, or even to God, by the way. You read a lot of that in the Psalms, what's called the imprecatory Psalms, where the, the psalmist just gets mad at why God's letting stuff go on. It doesn't mean you can't say, wait a minute, now this is wrong, or I don't like this. Or, it doesn't, and that doesn't necessarily mean you can do that. Jesus certainly spoke up injustices he saw. Jesus certainly spoke up at sinfulness that he saw. But listen to me, here's the key. It was never about him. It was never about, I'm being mistreated. I'm being wronged. I'm not getting what I deserve. Maybe you remember these words from earlier in Philippians chapter 2. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, to, to be held onto, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, there's that word, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Listen, to have this attitude in us, how about this idea? How about starting with an attitude of gratitude. Gratitude to God for what he has done for you. Gratitude for God to God for what he is allowing you the privilege of doing or being a part of in his kingdom work. Gratitude for God to God for what he is doing in your lives. How about if you start there and see where it leads from there? Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Start with your attitude. Do you remember what your life was like before Jesus Christ? Can you imagine where you would be if God had not worked in your life? When we keep an attitude of gratitude, it is possible to go through things or do things without grumbling. As Pastor Clay explained today, in our own strength, we can't do it. But when we release ourselves to God's power and put ourselves in position, He will work in and through us to make us the man or woman He desires us to be. One that is able to do all things without grumbling or disputing. The key to a great attitude is to live in gratitude. We're glad you joined us for this week's Crosswalk. Each week, Pastor Clay opens the Bible and brings out its exciting and practical truths to apply to our everyday lives. Cross Culture Church is a new church in North Raleigh. But instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. We meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540 Exit 7. And we welcome anyone and everyone who is looking for a place to learn about God's plan for their life. At Cross Culture Church, we experience the liberating, satisfying, life-changing power of the cross. And it's our desire to bring that power to a culture in need of freedom, hope, and joy. We hope you'll come join us on a Sunday morning. We'll save a seat for you. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to lead you to the cross. I want to lead you to the cross. I want to lead you to the cross. Cross Culture Church taking the cross to our culture, and taking our culture to the cross. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.